Welcome back to the Call Game Podcast. The Celtics and Red Sox are soaring. Meanwhile, the Yankees are struggling. We'll give our thoughts on that and other state of the NBA topics, such as 76ers, Nets, and, of course, the Jamal Jamal Murray injury that changes the Western Conference a little bit. But I think we're going to start off with some baseball because we're almost 15 games into the season at this point. And we start getting a sense of what teams are going to look like. It's still early, but excited to have baseball back. And my team, the Red Sox, are off to a great start that everyone was looking for, 10-4. and four, And Lewis's Yankees are 5-9. and nine. So I want to start with the Yankees. And I know everyone had high expectations for them, but the start's been a little slow. What do you see through their first 14 games that is leading to this? Well, basically what it comes down to is they can't hit and they can't pitch. And it turns that, out that that's those things are a yeah, little bit important. not a good combo. <laughs> yeah. They also can't really field. They make errors. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. They're like, they have the worst record in the AL. They can't really hit. They, like, they, let's just run through. They lost three to yep. six. They, all right. They scored three runs, two runs, four runs, three runs, three runs, eight runs, zero, five, three, seven, seven. Mind you, that's against the Orioles. One, five, two. They're just not scoring enough, and they can't seem to win unless Garrett Cole's pitching or someone else has an characteristically good game. I haven't fully decided if I think that they're going to be bad this year or if I think they're having a slow start, but it doesn't look good. Like, in other years I might say they're just having a slow start, we're still going to be good. I still think they're going to win the division, probably, but I don't know if they're going to be, like, even the favorite. They probably won't be the favorite to come out of the AL by the end of the regular season, I'd say. So my thing is, it's very hard to determine whether this is a slow start or if this is actual, like, big problems. And I think their talent alone is going to get them to that, at least the playoffs. Yeah. I think probably the division, too. But for me, I just don't see a lot. Obviously, the hitting will improve, but in terms of the pitching, there's not a lot that can improve, like, drastically. Obviously, Severino could come back, and they're dealing with a little bit of injuries. But uh, it just seems like... They haven't had a lot of success in the postseason, and maybe maybe this opening stretch is kind of exposing some underlying issues of, like, just the team. Maybe it's the manager. I think Aaron Boone isn't the greatest to just lead. But this is kind of exposing some of the Yankees' weaknesses that we see in October. Yeah. And the Yankees' team currently constructed is at a point where the regular season literally doesn't matter to them, and it's all about trying to get over their struggles they've had in the postseason recently and trying to break through to get to the World Series. So what's where do you think, like, the path for them to get to the World Series is? Is this, like, just a team that's going to have to rely on seven runs a game, or do you think there's a... I don't know too much about the Yankees right now, but is their bullpen still dominant as it used to be? It's different names. Like, it's not the same guys. A lot of guys left, but it has mm-hmm. been pretty good. They, have, they weren't that good the last two games against the Rays, but... So I feel pretty confident in their bullpen. Chapman looks like prime Chapman, even though he beats up his wife. And they're, they have other guys. They're not, like, amazing. But I think they'll, their bullpen won't, like, hold them back, I don't think. Right. I think the hitting, 
I, I think they haven't hit enough. Like, I, but I do think we have the guys that we will be at least a sufficient offense. And the path really is the path to improving the pitching. Um, is this? It's it's dead, Severino dead comes back yeah. like af- not for a while, so that's like a second half of the season fix. But uh, Devi Garcia and this guy, this prospect, you probably haven't heard of him, Clark Schmidt, started the season at the alternate site, and they like um, they started with like Herman on the big league roster, and he's just sucked. And, and I they think, do that to get the extra year of right. eligibility. I think the path so. is to bring those guys up, and if they're good, then they could. The Yankees could still have a good rotation because Cole has looked like the AL Cy Young, or right. I don't know what other guys are doing, but he's looked amazing. Right. And then, like, Kluber has gotten knocked around. Tyon looks fine, but he's not a number two starter for a World Series team, and. Um, then Herman has sucked. This guy Jordan Montgomery has been pretty good, but he's not like a number two or three. So I think if they want to have good enough pitching, they're going to need uh, Severino to come back and be good, and they're going to need to bring up Devi, and maybe he'll have to be good. Because yeah, otherwise, they're, I mean, maybe Kluber picks it up, but I just don't see it right now. I don't know. It's tough to be banking on a guy like Kluber who's right. kind of past his yeah. prime. And you don't want like to be banking on that. His days are wailing. But another thing interesting about the Yankees is they have a lot of extensions coming up, and they haven't given guys like Judge, Sanchez, Torres. I think those are the three big ones. But all those guys kind of have question marks next to their name. And it's the discussion around the Yankees fans right now I've been seeing is like whether to ex- like who to extend, how much to do you trust these guys, and like what to give them. And I don't know how much they each value this team. I feel like Judge, you have to sign yeah. back just because of his upside, and if he can stay on the field, he's one of the best players in the American League. Torres, I know he's been raking, but defensively he's been not Horrible. great. <laughs> but, he blows uh, games single-handed. Like there was an Orioles series and. He had, like, two errors in the bottom of the ninth that, like, either let the game go to extras or blew the game. He, I, I want, I have some thoughts on this. I, so I think you have to bring back Judge. He's already, he's yeah. been good this year. He's batting almost yes. 300, I think. He has a couple, few home Judge. runs. I think you bring him back. Gary Sanchez, as much as I like him and I think he is a good player and I think if we let him go he's going to hit like 40 home runs, I don't think it's smart. It, dep- it all depends on how much money you're going to have to pay him, obviously. Right. But but you want him back if you have I'd, the opportunity? I mean, you are the Yankees. If so. I have the opportunity to pay him like $15 million or less, but mm-hmm. other than that, I just don't. like, And I don't want to give him plus. a long-term deal. Bec- I don't think right. it's smart because we have Higashioka who is – not known, but he's really good, and we one of our top prospects is a catcher. So, I just think financially, it's not smart to bring him back, even though he might have a good career. And then with Glaber, I've been honestly pretty disappointed. He his rookie year, and I think the year after, he was like amazing. He was hitting so well, and it was like if you put if you put the Yankees on like a sports illustrated cover he might be like the front guy cuz like judge was hurt it was looking like oh wow is this like our new Derek Jeter but then he just hasn't been the same and 
he's young. He's obviously really talented, so I'm not that worried about him. But, like, it's just his fielding and his hitting hasn't even been that good. I don't, I just, it's a long season, so he could pick it up and then it's a no-brainer. But if he keeps playing the way he's playing right now, I don't really want him. Really? So you don't think, because he's going to ask for a lot, obviously, and the team's yeah. going to give it to him. The thing is, with the Yankees, there's always rumors like, oh, we're going to get Corey Seager, or we're going to get Trevor Story, and that's not really realistic, but I think I'd rather have those guys. I mean, like, Glaber, he's batting two thirteen this year. He still hasn't hit a home run. He has more he errors than he has home runs, and I, I mean, he... I still have a lot of faith that he's going to be good. Like I think he's going to be good pretty much no matter what. But I'm just get, I'm starting to get more worried than I'd like to be about a guy that seemed like a sure thing like really recently. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. I just I just hate Aaron Boone with the Yankees right now. Yeah. And I feel like Luke Voigt's kind of been their leader, and now that he's out, no, is he's he out hurt. for the year? No, he's. I think he's like starting activities again or whatever that mm-hmm. means. So he'll be back. Not that soon, but somewhat soon. I think he was kind of a leader in the locker room who could like get in their faces. But Aaron Boone doesn't seem like that guy. I, I watched one of his post-game interviews because it's just on, and he kept looking at these notes, and he just seemed unsure of himself. And he kept kind of making these. He seemed like Brad Stevens almost in the way yeah. he did it, but without any success. But yeah. Something about him I just didn't like. What are your thoughts on Aaron Boone? So. He is going to get start to get, like, he already does get killed in He's New our, York because yeah. he was not, he did a bad job last year in the postseason, and everyone was right. like, the our, no one thought he did a good job. So it was either, like, fire him or just it was just a 60-game season. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> so that's not great. And then he hasn't been amazing this year. And I just, I don't know. He does... It's a lot on the front office too, but he does. They do this thing where like they lie about injuries pretty much, and like it didn't quite happen. There, like there was an Aaron Judge thing, and it was like he kept saying, "Oh, it's not a specific injury," and it's like, "Oh, he's sore," and then like this was last year, I think, and then it's like, "Oh, he's on the 30-day IL," and you just said that he doesn't have a specific injury five days ago, and they did it again this year. He didn't go on the IL, but they were like saying, oh, he's not really hurt. He doesn't have an injury. And then he didn't play for like a week. So I just, he he doesn't do a great job with the media, I think. Unless the team really gets some success, he's going to get, try, people are going to try to get him out of there. Do you know what's an interesting comparison I just thought of? I, th- I feel like this Yankees team can relate a lot to the 2016-17 Red Sox teams with John Farrell where people were at John Farrow's throat, and they were still winning the division mm-hmm. with those, like, aging big poppy years. Mm-hmm. They were still winning the division, but they got bounced by the Astros, and uh, it might have been the Astros twice, actually. No, it was the Indians and Astros. Interesting, they both went to the World Series, but they got bounced by those teams. It wasn't even close. And then we got Alex Cora, and we just looked like a complete... Same players. I mean, obviously, Mookie got better, but same core, and we mm-hmm. just took off, and I'm wondering if... After this year, Boone gets fired, bring in another guy. You keep the same core, but they just, I don't know, it just seems like very similar situations. It's about the same timeline where 
Except you did go through Girardi. I feel like right. that was a bad fire. Yeah, I I mean, Girard, firing Girardi was like... It, the, he was there for a while, though, but The still. basis behind it was just like, he's been here for a while, and we haven't really won the World Series in a good amount of time. And we were like still on the upward trajectory like we were still having good years we had some tough losses in the playoffs but they just fire him no one was like really that against him and then you bring in Boone and he's like supposed to be the Alex Cora of this team right but that's a good example he's too. just not really and I I don't really like blaming the coaches and the managers in sports a lot because it ultimately ultimately comes down to the players yeah but I don't really think he's doing them any favors yeah that's interesting but I want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the Red Sox, who weren't mm-hmm. supposed to be much, but I've gone out to a blistering start at 10-4, and 4, and I've, I've watched their games, and let me tell you, after the 0-3 start, Red Sox fans were going crazy. Yeah. They were like, we wanted a baseball Tank. season, we're going we're gonna to have to watch, and oh, we're going to have to watch a 60-win team. They start off losing three games to the Orioles, not scoring them, but they go zero runs, two runs, three runs. Matt Harvey's looking like the Dark Knight again, shutting us down. <laughs> then we rip off nine straight, sweeping the Rays, the Orioles, and take four out of five, or three out of five, four against the Twins. Win against the Red Sox, or White Sox. We have a doubleheader today, but it's been everything. It's been, it's been offense. We've been crushing the ball through these games, 11, 6, 9, 7, 6, 14, Four seven, nothing ab- below five or four, consistently, and the pitching's been there. Avaldi's looking like an ace, but Erod's coming back from his irregular heartbeat. He's been looking great. You got guys like Tanner Houck, rookies pitching well, and uh, random guys really like. Oh, I forget his name, but you have guys that uh, Heim Bloom bought in. And they just everything's been clicking for him. Per, Martin Perez, he's been doing well, but I just don't know how sustainable it is, because yeah. you have guys like Nathan Avaldi who you're really relying on, mm-hmm. and in the long run, I don't know how much you trust that. The thing for me is the offense does seem reliable, just with how obviously we're not going to keep up this pace. But you have guys like J.D. Martinez who looks like the J.D. Martinez of old. You have Devers, who's going to be one of the best third basemen in baseball. Xander Bogart's consistently one of the best third basemen in baseball. Vasquez has been hitting different. He's been hitting with power. It just seems like the bullpen's finally figured it out. We got some guy from Japan who's giving us good innings. Matt Barnes has been nails in the bullpen. He just gave up his first run of the season yesterday in a win. But from an outsider looking in, what do you think of this Red Sox team? Because... I don't know what to think of it. It's just been such an amazing stretch for them. So it seems like I agree with you. I think the hitting, I mean, Bogarts isn't going to hit 412 and J.D. Martinez isn't going to hit, like, five home runs in every ten games. But, well, he might. But I think they'll probably cool down a little bit there, but their hitting will be there, I think. I think they'll be a good hitting team. Even last year, they are still one of the best hitting teams in the league. They're pitching was just horrendous. So, here's the thing with the pitching. I mean, Eovaldi, like, the the innings leaders, like, Garrett Richards is pitching 12 innings for you. I know he's a starter, so it makes sense, but, like, Garrett Richards, Nick, like, Martin Perez, these guys, 
maybe they're rising stars, but I just, they're not really guys in the league. Like, they're not, they haven't been good in their past at all. And I just think, I guess Eovaldi could keep it up. I think your bullpen is probably going to be decent with Matt Barnes, maybe. It's going to be decent. picks a, it up. A Vino, right. But I don't, I just don't think it's very sustainable, and I don't think that, um, I don't think, what was I saying? I think, like, if you get some injuries, it could get really bad. Yeah. And I think you said something about the Yankees. You said, like, this, they could be a team that just relies on seven runs, but if they get that, they're just going to win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I think that could be more the Red Sox, just because their hitting is so good. And I think they could just win games on their on the back of their offense. It, if the pitching gets to a certain level, though, they're just not going to be able to do that. So I don't think it's sustainable just because of their pitching but i easily could that easily could flip yeah if you're wondering what happened i fell off the back of my yoga ball being a little <laughs> too aggressive on the bouncing but basically it's just going to be tooth and nails like holding your breath watching them if they continue this pace just because you know the pitching can crash at any time right. Baldi supposedly got a cutter in the offseason that's been helping him but he just seems like he could blow up at any moment and start getting elbow soreness or injuries. And then you have guys like uh, Erod's been our most consistent pitcher the past few years. I think he'll be good, but Perez actually has had the lowest exit velo average in the past two years, so I think he's going to be good for us. But after that, you obviously have Evaldi, and then Chris Sale's out right now. He's not going to be back for another month. Huh, that's an s- interesting thing. So if they bring him the, back. The, right. The path would be, the path to a deep playoff run would be Chris Sale comes back and is our ace. Avaldi and uh, Erod are legit one, two, Shoot. three, or two, three, and that's. Oh, God. And Red then, Sox are going to win the World Series. If that happens, it's. Because Chris, people forget, even I forgot how dominant Chris Sale was in the 2018. Just 300 strikeouts, so I'm pushing 300 every year. And that could be legit. And if this offense just continues somewhat of its pace, then I think they could be a really scary team. Now, I think they'll be a wild card team, but I think that's good because coming off of what we had last year, we still have big holes. We've been getting younger. We have guys like Arroyo, Bobby Dahlback, who look like they have big upside. Like I mentioned, Tanner Houck is going to be going today. I'm excited to see how he does, but... I think it's definitely a positive, and that's what we just wanted. We wanted to have a baseball season where we're competitive in every game. Verdugo, he's been amazing. If he continues what he's been doing, the Mookie Best trade is going to look a lot better for us. Yeah. Verdugo's been crushing the ball. He's been into the games. He's been getting fired up. I really like what I'm seeing from Verdugo. And Devers has been amazing. He's been crushing the ball. He's been animated. He's been bat flipping. He's been slamming helmets. It just seems like we're playing with a different level of intensity under Alex Cora, like we saw in 2018. We've been stealing bags, and it, it just seems like we're winning games that we didn't last year, if that makes any sense. Yeah. We've been coming back a lot, and that's good to see. But we're going to come up on a stretch here where we're going to have some good teams. We obviously just won a series against the Twins, which was big. We got the White Sox, Blue Jays, Mets. So we've had a soft early schedule. But also, we're playing in the Orioles division, so we'll have a lot of supposedly easy wins along the way. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Red Sox moving forward. Yeah, all right. I think I'm good on the Yankees-Red Sox talk. Do you want to move to the NBA?
I would love to start with the Celtics. Normally we finish with them, but I think it's deserved that they they're prime they time now. Some, they deserve some prime time talk. So I want to just recap what's happening in April. Let me just go through their games real quick and kind of set up what's been happening. Starting April, we beat Rockets, Hornets, lose to Sixers. At that point, we're right around 500. Then we reel off six straight against the Knicks, Timberwolves, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Lakers, Warriors. And all of a sudden, the Celtics are standing alone in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, looking like the best they have all season. Started off. What do you think of the Celtics right now? Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. So this is like what we were talking about all the first half. Like, they suck, but they have so much talent they can go on a run like this is the run mm-hmm. this is what we wanted them to look like a all year in april right like this is what we wanted them to look like and there's still obviously concerns like can we beat the sixers can we beat the nets but that's the type of concern you want to have not can we beat the hawks can we beat the knicks right can we get out of the play-in games like it feel it might be premature but i feel like we're now in the spot that we thought we were going to be where we're mm-hmm. top four in the east we kind of have the sixers in our back pocket and we kind of can kill the bucks too and that we're just like a dangerous we played the bucks team. tough and we have history against the Sixers. right being tatum looks like the best he's looked maybe ever in his career jalen brown i don't like that he's out like every other game with a some it sort was of a injury. sickness. That's he true. He says his knee's feeling I'm better, glad which is that really it's not good. His knee. If it was I'm his knee, I'd be really concerned. But I think, I think we're looking good. I really, I'll let you talk about this because I have a feeling you want to talk about it. But I really like Jabari Parker. He's like a rich man's Grant Jabari Williams, Parker. Sammy Ojolay, and <laughs> I think when we have Robert Williams back, Jalen Brown back, Evan Fournier, Fournier. Yeah. and just like everybody humming i think our rotation might be like good players all the way through and we might we might be pretty scary to face in the playoffs so just with the overall winning after the tough loss against philly and a little bit before that kendrick perkins called up tatum and said like what's going on tatum took the criticism well says perkins rachel nichols last night reported that the big four of smart marcus tatum and brown have had numerous meetings talking about body language and where they want to go this season and i don't want this to and hopefully it's like the kumbaya session we all want but it seems like ever since then we've been rolling and i know winning heals all and i kind of see the celtics as a front-running team like when we're winning we feel good and we're all smiles and when we lose we start slumping our shoulders but it seems like we've been getting healthy brad stevens has been able to put some consistent lineups together that have been working and I love what we're, how we're playing right now. It seems like the defensive intensity has been turned up. Marcus Smart's been coming off his injury. He's starting to get healthy. Tatum says COVID's been less affecting him. And right around this time last year is when Tatum went on his stretch. Remember mm-hmm. that? Against after like the, the Lakers, break, Clippers. Yeah. Right, right after the All-Star break, he just turned it up. And people, that's when we started talking about Tatum in the top 10 conversation. So right around that time, he's starting to do it again. And with Tatum clicking, Jalen Brown clicking, Kemba had a great night. And I want yeah. to talk about Kemba before we get into the other guys because Kemba's been interesting. During this winning stretch, he's been averaging like 16, 18 points a game. But the big thing is almost eight assists. He's been put in that more of a playmaking role. Like, I'll let you guys score. And he's been giving up eight assists this stretch. 
like consistently. He's been a consistent, amazing playmaker, which is crazy because That's in huge. his career, he's only averaged three points a game. He's at a 49 assist to 13 turnover ratio in those eight games, That's which huge. is huge because turnovers have been a big factor in us losing a lot of games. So I want to get your opinion on what Kemba Walker, do you think we need the Kemba Walker? Because you watch these TNT national broadcast games and Chuck and Shaq are like, we need Kemba averaging the 20 points We need a Charlotte game. Kemba. Yeah, but I don't think we do. Because I agree. I think we just need Kemba to play his role, which is 15 points a game plus, and if we need him, if some guy's struggling, he can go out there and get a bucket. Facilitate, and if he's averaging seven, eight, seven, eight assists a game with great turnover to assist ratios in the playoff, I think that's a, that, I think that's getting our money's worth for our Kemba. Yeah, here's the deal. If we're getting, like, 19 a game from Tatum, then maybe we need Kemba to step right, up more. Right. But if we're getting this version of Tatum where he's clearly, like, so clearly the number one on the team and, like, a top, I don't know, I guess the Nets fuck it up, but top, right like, now. three to five guy in the East. Like, if we have that version of Tatum, we don't need Kemba to score as much. And what right. you said about the assist Especially is huge. Jaylen. Like. We need him to maybe distribute a bit. We need him to get buckets and bunches, get hot. and But we need him to be efficient. Like, I don't want 15 from him if it's on 15 shots. Right. Like, right. if he can be efficient and score and get some assists and take a backseat to Tatum and Brown, which he always says he does and he does, which I love about him. But, like, we don't need him to score 20 a game even if Tatum is going to be this good and as long as he's just efficient, I really think he has a good role on this team. An efficient 15-plus points per game with great assists and playmaking is just what the Celtics need. Right. And a lot of people, and I'm fully, I'm in definite uh, blame for this, but I was on the trade Celtic, or trade Kemba bandwagon for a yeah. while during that losing stretch because I was in the mindset and Kemba was kind of playing like he wanted those 20-plus points, but... He wasn't given to us. And now it's like, if we trade Kemba this offseason, we're not going to get anywhere near the value that he's going to give to us. No one's going to pay high-quality players or yeah, we're stuck to a, with them. a team that's an aging player who might be an all-star who's getting a big old contract. So it just seems like him, us keeping him is going to be more beneficial because his value to us is going to be so much bigger than it is to whatever we're getting back. And so I feel like he's going to be with this team for the long haul. And if he kind of settles into the role he's playing right now, especially with Fournier and uh, Rob coming off injuries and COVID, and they're going to start getting more touches. If Kemba just plays into his role, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I'm excited for him to experience the playoffs in the garden and not the bubble. He's just a player you want to see succeed, and I think he's settling into a nice role. And, of course, he hit that amazing shot against the Warriors last night, the dagger three, which was great to see. He was all fired up, but what do, what do you think about just, I mean, I, I guess we can move off of Kemba, but you want to get into Jabari Parker? Or? Yeah, I mean, so I don't want to get too excited about one game because... Oh, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already there. It's too late. <laughs> like, he, but he was really good. He, like, I say this so much, but he's not Semi Ojale and he's not Grant Williams, and he's gone now, but he's not Javante Green. He's like a guy that looks good out there. And I just think that that's kind of what we need. And he can play significant minutes in the playoffs, I think. And he's just a guy that's like not going to kill us out there, most likely. 
Although he might, yeah. he kind of sucks at defense, but we'll see. His defense is the worst I've ever seen. But the thing is, we don't need that off of him. If you look at our bench all season, it's been a lot of good defenders that no one can Just score. Just can't score. It's like, yeah. if you look at every of those players individually, you're like, yeah, we want them on our team. Semi Ojale, he's a great defender. Doesn't do much on offense except spot up threes. Grant Williams literally does nothing on offense, but he's a great defender. He's a switchable defender. Same with guys like... I don't even know. Those are honestly the two guys who I think. Romeo Langford doesn't score that much, but is a great defender. But when you have three great defenders out there on the court together and no one's good on offense, yeah, that's a problem. So now we have guys like Fournier coming off the bench, who's a legit NBA scorer. Jabari Parker, who's a legit scorer. When he hit that fadeaway in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. that was like a legit scorer's move that yeah. legit scorers make. And that was off of not playing in a year. So he... If we tell Jabari, like, look, you don't need to be the second overall pick to lead our franchise into the playoffs. You just need to be a solid guy who can come off the bench, stretch the floor, and hit some shots. Along with Pritchard, who's been kind of bouncing back lately. He kind of had a rough stretch, but he's been playing a lot better. And I, th- I think, so off the bench, Pritchard, maybe Fournier, Parker. I think that's a solid bench unit who can provide yeah. some scoring. And you have guys like Semi Ojale and Grant Williams and Langford who are going to have some defensive stints where they're gonna they can play some solid minutes and focus their energy on that defensive side of the ball and I think it gives our bench a lot more balance and mm-hmm. just like you said guys who are NBA level players who can provide for this team because think, in the playoffs good yeah I just I like you just said we have like I think we have a nine-man rotation now that's like legitimately right. good it used to be like seven right and like, now but we and then bad. those guys that like were playing but shouldn't really be playing are now in a role where there's less pressure on them and they can play into their games more and not like right. have to be the eighth That's man really and point. be Grant Williams and suck at basketball. Yeah. Like we can do Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Brown, Rob starting and then Fournier, uh, Pritchard, uh, Jabari man. Parker, yeah. Tristan Thompson are like... Oh, you, I forgot about Thompson. Not, He's been great since he not, came back. Yeah, they're not going to kill you out great. there. They're going to be good. So I just, I think come playoff time, we're not going to see that much of like Sammy Ojale even, well, this is Brad's issue. The, he loves playing Sammy Ojale and Grant Williams, but I just think we won't see guys like that in the playoffs as much, and that'll really help us. Yeah, that's just, it used to be like in the playoffs, you know how we always see those stats where it's like our bench, or our starters have 115 points and our bench has a combined seven. Yeah. If we can just get like, Three points off the bench, or like yeah. thirty-five points. Ten from I think we'll be putting up a lot of points. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I think this roster is really shaping up, but I don't want to get too excited until we can go two weeks with a healthy roster. Fournier yeah. should be back within the few days. He should be. Brad says he won't play Monday, but after that, he's available to go pretty much any time. And then you see Jalen. Hopefully, that's not COVID. I pray that's not COVID. But if Fournier comes back. I think Rob should be back. Seems like he's that wasn't too bad. It was just a little uh, soreness and inflammation. But I think we might finally have our full roster the next coming weeks. And if we can have a full roster for the last two weeks, I think we'll be able to, with our easy schedule, be walked into that four seed. And I think we're going to be a tough out. That I I know Philly doesn't want to see us. I don't think Milwaukee doesn't want doesn't want to see us. Yeah. And I think those are, we're going to be a tough out in the playoffs and who knows, maybe make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I want to talk to you about how, like, about the matchup. So if we're four or five, 
right. then we play the one seed in the second round. I think you agree right. with me that we'd rather see the Sixers than the Nets, right? Yeah. So yeah, definitely. that gets a little scary where, so I think we obviously have to try to be the four of the five because you can't play the Bucks in the first round and then also play the Nets or the Sixers. You might have to be all three of those teams. That's not going to happen. So right. I think we're just going to have to really, I, so I'm going to ask you this. So mm-hmm. who do you want to be the one seed, assuming we're the four of the five? Well, then it would be the Sixers, so we got them in the second round. And then yeah. Bucks and Nets, maybe something fluky happens, and we get the Bucks. I mean, I could see that happening. It's not, like, crazy. Injuries. But, yeah, injuries. And the Nets, like, haven't played together. Their defense still isn't going to be good in the playoffs. It's, But the Bucks aren't exactly the most consistent team either. But I just feel like it's like finally there's a path where you can say Celtics beat the Hawks pretty handedly. We beat the Sixers because... Our history says that maybe injuries, riddles, the Nets, Bucks series, maybe one team comes out of that tired after seven. Like, there's a path to the finals. It's not clear. It's not, like, set in stone. But to see where there's a path before where we were fighting into the playing game, now we're starting to look at the top of the standings more than looking at the bottom. Right. Which is a refreshing sight if you're a Celtics fan. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I still don't really call us like a title contender but we're now like we're now like a team that you'd be like eh, maybe if the chips fall the right way we could be and i want to last thing with the celtics i want to get into tatum because i think this team goes where tatum goes totally where do you think like obviously he's not top 10 yet but maybe he's top Mm. 20 like i just want to get your stance on tatum's progression like what does he have to do to really elevate this team like to get us to that finals best player on a championship level team potential that I think we all believe he has in him. I just, I mean, it's been amazing to watch him. He's really like, he's incredible to watch now. And he's, I know he is frustrating at times, but that's partly just because we're Celtics fans and it's frustrating sometimes when your players don't play well. So I think he's been amazing lately. Like, his scoring has been awesome. I think if he can continue to do it, he I think it's really big for him to continue to get to the free throw line. Like, in today's NBA, we see all the top scorers get, like, 10 free throws a game. That's the big thing for Tatum. You can't – it's not sustainable to score that many points on, like, all jump shots because you can just have a cold game and then you're not going to score. Which we've seen from that. That's right. what we've seen. Yeah. Like with the stars like Harden, if he's having an off night or Kyrie, they put their head down, and flail their 20. arms, and they get calls. Because right, you, right. you get like six points on non free throws, and you're at 20. And Tatum's right. not at that level, but if he can be like a fraction of that plus his other like game, he's such a to, great scorer. Five to seven free throws a game. He's already getting 20. Literally, he's getting 25 points a game with two free throws a game. Right. If he can get five free throws a game, he's a 30 point per game scorer. That is huge. And you've seen that a little bit more lately. I think he gets some of the worst officiating in the league. He gets hacked down low. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because he whines a lot and he yeah, kind of the rest hold their that. whistles against him. And he's been better lately since Perk called him out and they've had those team meetings where I think Kemba went up to Kemba and Marcus went up to Jalen and Tatum and they're like, guys, look, your body language is terrible and they've yeah. been improving that. But Tatum getting to the line is a big one. Also, just facilitating, trusting his teammates. You saw Marcus mm. Smart hit that. I don't know if we want to get into Marcus Smart again, but no, he had can. a huge shot last night. Yeah, he's and actually it's just a Marcus Smart experience. Series. Our friend, we were 
talking to him while the stuff this game was going on and we were he was listening to us yeah. and he's like how do you guys say Marcus Smart's terrible and then he's the best player it's just the Marcus Smart experience and at this point we know that one night against the Raptors he might win us a playoff games and hit six straight threes or one night he might shoot us out of a game so I think we just have to live with that at that point right I guess. I mean, I'd still like it if he wouldn't shoot us out of games, but yeah. I think if he can, like, just be more cons- – I think we do have to trust him at a certain level. Like, he is really he's good. He's been he, better of late. He's, he's been better of late. He's a pretty – he's not the most efficient. He shoots 40% from the field, 35 from three. But he his defense, his, like, just the way he – like, his intensity – and if he can it raises the team keep his offense up, it's sure. just a really good guy to have. All right, I think that's a good way to put a bow on the Celtics right now. They're going into mm-hmm. another week where they play the Suns and the Nets, so got check week for the Celtics. But we'll check back on them in a week. But I, I want to talk about the last thing with the NBA real quick, just the uh, the top of the East because obviously you have the Nets and the Sixers, but I want to talk about the Nets, Bucks, Sixers, and kind of the hierarchy of those teams and matchups. Do you think the Bucks can take down the Sixers, or the Bucks can take down the Nets, or the Nets can take down the Sixers, or the Six- vice versa? Just like, out of those three teams, probably confidently say those are the top three teams in the East, like, where are the hierarchy of those teams right now? Because I think it's an interesting discussion, and it's actually pretty close. Um, I do think it's close. I think they're all good teams. I also think it's pretty clear to me that the Nets are one, the Sixers are two, the Bucks are three. But with that said, the injuries do like really matter for the Nets because if they can't get healthy, they're not going to win. Like they, they like, can haven't ha- played together. Right. Does that so concern you? It does concern me. Although I f- like, for example, last year the Clippers like didn't play together a lot, and then they kind of sucked. I this right. feels different to me. Like I it feel like the feel Nets different. are just a better team. And they they have more talented players, and I just think they're in less injuries. They they can only stop themselves. I think That's like good, I don't think anyone else can beat That's them really unless there's injuries. Even though the Sixers and Bucks are really good teams, I think the six I have the Sixers second. I pretty clearly have them over the Bucks. I think Embiid is just so good, and Simmons isn't very doesn't tend to. He kind of can get played out of a series in the playoffs. So but the Bucks I, did beat the Sixers, did they? No, they didn't play the Sixers yet in the playoffs, have they? They haven't um, done that yet. I don't in a playoff series, so. you have the Sixers over the Bucks. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, so let's look at it this way: Giannis and B cancel. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, Giannis Maybe is really a, good. Yeah, I, I would say they cancel, and then you're yeah. looking at the rest of the roster, and then it gets a little weird Bucks because you would probably take Drew and Middleton over. Simmons in a playoff series, I would say, because Holiday, even though he hasn't been there a lot, when he has been there, he's played great. But it gets kind of shady. So looking at the rest of the roster, like Sixers, Bucks, what are you seeing? I think the Sixers don't look quite as good on paper as they do, like when you're watching them. Like they, they're guys like yeah, Seth point. Curry, Danny, Danny Green. Green. Like they knock down shots. Matisse Thybul, like Korkmaz. Yeah, they ha- and like Tobias Harris is slept on. He's been great this year. They, they have they play well. They hit a lot of threes. Like watching Seth, I was watching them. The Celtics were playing the Sixers, I think, and mm-hmm. my dad was just talking about how 
the Celtics never have a guy like Seth Curry when he's just open. Yeah. It's just like you you know it's going in. And yeah. hopefully that can be Fournier. Right, but that's kind of lower. Like they just have guys that make shots, and they're just mm-hmm. like they play really well together. I do think like when you're bringing up like Shake Milton a lot, that's not yeah. exactly what you want to be bringing up. But I I think they're really talented, and I do have them above the Bucks. Although the Bucks are really deep too. But the only reason really, like if you're just looking at it on paper, and I wasn't thinking about how. Giannis and the Bucks the have Bucks. not been good in the playoffs. I would probably have the Bucks. Yeah, that's a good point. Just like the Bucks' playoff struggles is in the back of everyone's head, and right. Hoser, and if Giannis can play like he is now in the postseason, I think it changes a lot. I think Embiid's been solid in the postseason his whole career. He's always put up numbers and lost, but I think there's a lot more around him, and the coach works better for him. So interesting to see matchups starting to take place in the East and the West. I think the last thing we want to talk about, almost forgot, is the Jamal Murray list Nuggets. They lose their second best player, and that's just so unfortunate to watch. I was so excited to see what the Nuggets could do in the playoffs with MVP Jokic, but just in terms of the Western Conference picture, how does this injury affect the rest of the West? Well, it kind of like eliminates a threat for everyone else. Um, like, I guess you could maybe make an argument that the Nuggets are still in there just because, like, Michael Porter Jr. could take a step up if he gets more shots. But they're just, you can't really look at me with a straight face and tell me they're going to win the title. So, it just eliminates a threat. Like, it opens the door a little more for, like, a team like the Blazers, the Mavs, the Suns, the Clippers even. Like, like... The Suns, they won eight of their last ten. They just look really good. Now they don't have they to worry really about the good. Nuggets. Like, it's still the West. Pretty much is just kind of a mess. And then the Lakers to it's, me. It's an absolute mess. It's just everyone else, and then the Lakers. That's the way I'm gonna but put the it. The Lakers have injuries, so it's, That's like, the it's thing. not even like they're. That's the there, thing. You know? Right, and it's gonna be really hard to tell because nothing's really gonna change. Like, the Nothing Suns can win their ne- another eight out of their next ten, and it's still gonna be. Yeah, you're good, but can so, you beat LeBron and AD? And they might not yeah, have to. That's the thing. So it's really the West pretty much just all comes down to the Lakers' injuries to me. Because if they're healthy, I don't see anyone beating them. But if they're not, there is teams that are good that could maybe take them down. Even if they're not fully healthy, let's say AD is like 85% of what he normally is. That still opens the door for other teams like right. the Nuggets. Or not the Nuggets, so like... Jazz or Suns could beat them in the series. So I feel like the West is kind of this is what we'll see going into the playoffs, and the rest is just kind of injury and matchup based. Yeah. I feel like the East is honestly more compelling right now because there's just more question marks. The West story has kind of been written. The East story is kind of the only question marks left is really that one seed, and the pretty much the rest of the East. Honestly, the rest of the East is still wide open. So. Yeah, it is. All eyes are on the East right now. Any other points you have left you want to go over before we wrap it up? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Can I get your just your title pick as of right now? Jeez, that's that's a loaded question. But yeah, <laughs> a lot of injuries based on that are like dependent on right, the. Coming matchup. out of the East, I have the Nets. Yeah. Coming out of the West, I'm gonna go Jazz. Wow. I like right. the way they've been playing. I think they've had the most consistent team. They've had barely any injuries and barely any COVID cases. I think they shoot the three really well, and I think it's their year to kind of 
break through. I think they'll obviously be in round two. Then they kind of play that Clippers-Lakers, which is a little tough. But I think if they get past the second round, they have a real good chance to go to the finals. And then in the finals, I'm going to take the Brooklyn Nets, which is pretty crazy to think about after. What a turnaround. Just signing KD, sign Kyrie, trade for Harden. Like, geez, Modern day NBA. You, you're never going to see that again, maybe. Like, sign two of the top 15 players in the league and trade for a top five player, arguably. Like, that is unprecedented. Like, I don't even know what to think about. In two years, they went from a D-Lo kind of fun team I root for to, like, remember when Jared Dudley was, like, celebrating over yeah. Ben Simmons, and now it's just, like, where's that gone? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you with the Nets. I think right now I'm going to pick the, um, I'm not going to be boring and say the Lakers. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with the Clippers. I think they're they won seven of their last ten. I think they've picked so, it up this year. I think. Are you trusting Paul George in the playoffs? Then? Yeah, I yeah sure. Why not? He's been a lot better today. Yeah, I think he's year. I think he's just underrated because everyone likes to make fun of him. Yeah, interesting. But I think if Paul George plays like regular season Paul George, they'll be a lot more like interesting to see if they can make a run, but. I think Kawhi will be great. I'm just interested to see if Rondo can do it because I don't know. Playoff Rondo happens every year, but it seems like any year it could like not happen. Yeah. So, anything else? We're gonna wrap it up there. Just one more thing. Giancarlo Stanton just hit a home run. The Yankees are fixed, and we're winning the World Series. <laughs> Boy, Giancarlo Stanton can make contact with the baseball. It's one nothing in the bottom news. of the second. It's over. Breaking news, Jakarta Stan can hit the baseball. So, the Yankees are going to the World it's Series. Over. Aaron Boone's a genius. Yep. All right, I'm going to watch the Red Sox doubleheader. Probably an unhealthy amount of baseball. That's and all right. Get back to the podcast next week. Yep. All right.